have to choose one. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, common sense is often neglected. And so, friendship is a common sense. It's a common sense. Friendship is a common sense. Who wants to truly be alone? But it is often neglected. Hallelujah. So God is calling us back to common sense. He's calling Christians back to friendship. Amen? And that's why we're looking at this topic today. So we're going to go back to the book of John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is where we started from. And we're going to read again. If we begin to read from verse 9 through 15, it gives us the context. I'm not going to go through everything we said last week, but for the benefit of those who are not here, I will just spin through it quickly. I'm going to read from the book of um, the message version. I love the way the message version puts it. So I'm reading from John 15. I'm beginning from verse number uh, number 9, and I will read through verse 15. I have loved you the way my father has, has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and make myself at home in his love. I have told you these things for a purpose. That my joy might be, might, might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. How? Put your life on the line for your friends. The very best way to love is to put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. And what did he command? He commanded love. Love one another. If you're not going to love one another, you will not be my friend. That's what he's saying. It's not saying I'm going to be your boss. I'm going to run you around. No. He's saying when you take my advice to love one another, because friendship will not work without love. I'm going to say that again. Friendship cannot work without love. Amen? So, he went on and said, I am no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. Amen? And last week we tried to um, stress the fact that there are several things that Jesus has um, op- uh, made opinion on or things that he has endorsed. There are some few places in the scriptures where Jesus used some phrases and some, or some words, catch phrases, catch words, you know, um, that we need to begin to pay uh, double attention to. You know, in this part of our generation, we know that words are powerful. And, you know, uh, philanthropists, um, people that are uh, well-known celebrities, when they endorse anything, we run after those things. We pay attention to those things. We may mention of opera effect. It's one of those things, 
you know, and we, we, we've highlighted how opera effect is so powerful um, that whatsoever she says, people are willing to listen and they're willing to do it. If opera says a book is good, everybody's going to buy it. I mean, all her fans, they're going to buy it just because she says the book is good. So and we use that analogy to stress the fact that there are some things that Jesus, the master, the creator, the maker, the one who knows the end from the beginning, the ones who created everything on earth, there are some things he has said, some things he has opinionated about, some things he has mentioned that we never pay attention to like we pay attention to opera effect. We never pay attention to those things like we pay attention to what Dr. Oz says about our health. Jesus has given some formula for good health living. Nobody paid attention. But if Dr. Oz says, like I said last week, go boy grass and drink. Majority of Americans will pay attention. But as Christians, this is something that God is calling our attention to. So when God or when Jesus says something is best, I think I have to pay particular attention. If Jesus said this is great, I need to pay attention to that. I need to stop and think and pay attention to it. So for our emphasis this morning, Jesus says the best way to love is through friendship. The best way to demonstrate love, the best platform available for you to love is friendship. I need to pay attention to friendship. If I pay attention to opera effect or I pay attention to all this other stuff that men of our days give us, amen? So friendship is a very critical thing that Jesus used the word best for and in that text that we have read, we saw how he called the apostles his friends. And he said the best way to love is to put your life in the line, on the line for your friends. And we said last week, well, you got to have a friend first. You got to have a friend first before you even attempt to push your life on the line for him or her. So it begins by making friendship. Amen? And we saw that Jesus did exactly that. Jesus could have done without friendship. Could have decided to run all by himself while he was here to fulfill his ministry. But he did not do that. The moment he began his ministry, the very first thing he did, according to the scripture, was make friends. He began to look for friends. He actively looked for friends. And we saw the, let me use the phrase, magic power of friendship in action. Let me just make one quick one. Jesus met Andrew first. The multiplier effect that comes with friendship, if we will understand it, I don't think anyone will step out of this place today without going into active, active 
active duty and looking for friends. Immediately, Jesus became friend to Andrew. Guess what? Andrew recruited Peter. I'll give you another one. Jesus met with Philip. The multiplier effect. The moment Philip became Jesus' friend, Philip recruited Nathaniel. What does that mean to us? Facebook, like we mentioned, started very small. And they used the concept of friendship to make a young man a billionaire. You just have one friend on Facebook. Before you know it, it begins to grow through friends' request. And some of you now, I think you have 1,500 friends that you have never seen. <laughs> but that is beautiful. That just paints the picture for us. Because if we were to understand how to be a friend like Jesus, that would be a phenomenon too for us. Amen? So, the very first thing we saw is that Jesus cultivated friendship. He was open to friendship. A lot of Christians are not today. A lot of us don't have friends at our place of work, we do not have friends. In a church where we fellowship, we do not have friends. We just come in and go. Because we have not understood, right from the beginning, the concept of friendship as portrayed by Jesus. Amen? And that's the goal that I believe that the Holy Spirit will want to achieve today as we go through this quickly. So God will instill in us the understanding of the powerful effect of friendship if we do it Jesus' way. Amen? Are you already anticipating some friends? You see, this, after last week, when I get back to work on Monday, there are some folks I don't talk to. Ordinarily, we just don't jive. <laughs> but immediately the Holy Spirit begins to say, Prisha, <laughs> do your message. That's right. And I will not hesitate. Last week, every of those folks, I'm seeing myself hanging around now. <laughs> on their table and say, what's up, man? You know? Because I got it. You know, this is epiphany. This is a revelation from God. And I just begin to imagine, oh, if we, I mean, why did I wait so long? These guys are fun. Yeah. You know, because I don't talk so much. I'm a little bit reserved. I can gossip the gospel. You know, that's about it. I, you know, the regular talk, I'm not so much the talking type. But I, I met a lady's friend. I mean, 
You don't need to know how to talk when you are around her. She will do all the talking for you. I mean, just a day's hangout. I'm like, man, I want to like to talk like this. From one topic to the other, and she's so interesting. And I just realized that, look, I don't know, you know what? I need to know how to talk. Amen? So when we begin to understand the concept that Jesus gave to us that we have often neglected for so long, there are so much tremendous blessings. Okay? And as we see, it's not as if there are no challenges, but just like in business, when you do cost um, benefit analysis, you will see that the benefit outweighs the cost. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're beginning to start searching for friends. You know, wherever you find yourself, as a student, you want to begin to look for friends. You want to actively be alive. Make friends. Okay? But make it Jesus' way. And that's what we want to learn quickly. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you still with me? So he said, the very best way to fulfill the love command, you know, that's the commandment he has given, the love command. He says, the very best way to fulfill it is true friendship. It's true friendship. There's no way you're going to know how to love like Jesus if you don't have friends. Because no one will step on your toes. You will not have Peter who will deny you at the very last minute. And you will not know how to forgive. You're not going to have somebody like Nathaniel that will derogate you to your fourth generation. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You will not have a friend like Thomas, who is a scientist. He doesn't believe anything unless you prove it to him. You see, Jesus has given us a tool that is applicable to our today's generation. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are a friend like Jesus, you're going to see that almost everyone in this entire planet will, you'll be able to work with. You'll be able to live with. And you'll be able to fulfill God's purpose in their lives that you are destined to fulfill. Amen? Which is going to be the ultimate goal. So let's quickly, um, that's what we ran through last week. And last week we tried to mention how to be a friend like Jesus. If we have some of those, we have uh, how to be a friend like Jesus. We mentioned the first one is love. Nothing else we walk if this one is not established. If you and I, if you are not willing to lay down your life, or let me say use the right word, put your life on the line. Jesus already died, so we're not talking about you dying now. If you are not willing to put your life on the line for someone, you cannot be a friend like Jesus to that person. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. So this is the primary um, deal that you have to settle. Are you willing? Will you be willing to the point of laying down or putting your life on the line for that fellow? If you are, everything else will work. Everything else will work. 
if you can just get this one right. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times. Amen? We mentioned the second one is openness. Openness. You have to be willing to be open. If you're going to be the type that you're not going to be vulnerable, you don't want people to know what's going on, you want to cover so stuff, friendship like Jesus is not going to work. It cannot work that way. Jesus was transparent enough. He will not hide anything. He said, I have not hidden anything from you that I've had from the Father. He was open. To be a friend like Jesus, you have to be open. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. Because that's the only way it's going to work. Jesus will not ask you to do anything that he has not already done. And we see, you know, all of these things in the text we have read. In John 15, you see some, all of those things. The third one was treat each other as equals. You cannot be a friend like Jesus if you are going to boss your friends around. If you're going to control them. If you're going to have to, it has to be my way or the highway. Okay. You know, you cannot be a friend like Jesus if you are not going to be equal. You have to be equal. You and your friends must have to be equal. Equals. You cannot be the boss and now, you know, she's maybe because you have some degrees and she don't have or you have more money and he is not as now, you know, there's an imbalance. No, what Jesus did was he left his glory. Behind. He said, even though he was God, he did not consider equality you know, something to be grabbed. He made himself of no reputation and he came in the form of man. He became equal. He was so equal that people cannot recognize him among the apostles when they were to crucify him. They needed to pay bribe. For someone to identify him with a kiss. That was how equal he was. Because you will not see him with a different regalia among the friends. Oh, that we know she, uh, that's the share lady. That's, that, you know. No. Amen. So to be a friend like Jesus, equality. We got to be equal. We're friends. It doesn't matter the degrees that I have. It doesn't matter... You know, what I do, it doesn't matter how much money I have, you are my friend. We are equal. Amen? And that's the only way to be a friend like Jesus. The, the next one is forgiveness. If you cannot forgive, then you will not be a friend like Jesus. You cannot be a friend like Jesus. Look at Jesus' response to Nathaniel. When Philip introduced Nathanael to Jesus as a friend, and Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's Jesus' village. <laughs> and Jesus' response was, behold a true Israelite in whom there is no God. What? This guy just berated your entire village. And here Jesus is not looking at that. He was looking at something else. Something more positive. You cannot be a friend like Jesus if all you concentrate on is the negative. He was looking at Nathaniel. He was telling Nathaniel his destiny. 
you are better than that. You are a true Israelite in whom there is no God. Can you imagine if that is the only thing we do at our place of work? Can you imagine how the entire place will change? Because they're going to look at you and, and wonder. They berated you. They backbite against you. And here you are in the next morning and you are hugging and you are kissing. And behold a true Israelite in whom there is no God. You know I love you. Do you, can you imagine what that would do? Or in our homes? Or in a church of God like this? That is what it means to be a friend like Jesus. Behold an Israelite in whom there is no God. Always looking at the destiny. Amen? So, forgiveness is critical. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. Amen. And the next one was protect each other. Protect each other. We're going to look at an example quickly, and we're going to use, I believe we used David and Jonathan, Jonathan as an example to see, uh, because some of us will say, where is Jesus? That's why. Okay. So, friends, if you want to be a friend like Jesus, it is going to be one of your number one goal to protect your friends. You are always going to look for ways to protect your friend. Not to control them. To truly protect them. If you have time, you can read that. Let me, let's read them, Mark. Mark 3, 20, 21. These are Jesus' friends. When Jesus was becoming, you know, overly, um, it, it was over his head, if we use that word. Permit me to use that word. And look at what the friends did. I read it in message, I believe. Mark 3, 20, 21 says, Jesus came home, and as usual, a crowd gathered, so many making demands on him that there wasn't even time to eat. His friends heard what was going on and went to rescue him by force if necessary. They suspected he was getting carried away with himself. Amen? Friends protect each other. If I see my friend getting carried away, maybe my friend is partying too much. My job is not to criticize. My job is to rescue. I should find a way to rescue my friend. He's having too much fun. He's not studying, not reading his books. I got to devise a means to make sure I sit his or her behind on the desk to study not to criticize, not to, you know, these are principles that if we imbibe them, we're going to begin to see some results we never thought were possible. Friends protect one another. That's why I love the military. If you have ever been in the military, you almost always recommend that every man born should be a soldier. Because that's one principle, core principle in the military. No one left behind. It doesn't matter what, you know, your color is. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter even if you are wayward in the battlefield and you, be, you, know, you, you encounter a tribulet. We will still walk through the enemy's line to rescue you. To bring you out. We cannot leave you behind. It doesn't matter what you do. 
Friends protect friends. That's one thing I love in the military. I always, always will be a soldier. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And the next one, friends pray for each other. Friends pray for each other. They pray for each other. These are, again, how to be a friend like Jesus. Okay? How to be a friend like Jesus. And no, these are the principles we're going to have to apply to our friendship to bring the result that Jesus is looking for because we'll see the result in a moment. Amen? You got to pray for your friends. Do more praying than preaching. Today we do more preaching than praying. Do more praying than preaching. By preaching I mean, you know, talking, 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 talking over and over and over and again. How many times have you prayed about that issue you are discussing with your friend? That you keep bringing back over and over. Ah, here you go again. Here you go again. You've done it again. You've done. How many times have you taken time to pray for that friend over that issue? We cannot neglect Jesus' principle if we want to get his kind of result. Amen? The last point we made was encourage one another. Friends, encourage one another. Friend, encourage one another. Amen? I'm going to run quickly because uh, I don't want to uh, dwell too much on this. So, we jump from there and we look at an example quickly. Let's look at an example of David and Jonathan in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, let's do 18 and 19. You can do 1 Samuel 18, 19, 20, and 23 when you have time. Just study about uh, David and Jonathan. Study that friendship and see you see a replica of what Jesus or what we have epitomized here. You see a replica in the life or in the friendship between David and Jonathan. Amen. And let's just look at a uh, few points and we run out of there quickly as well. Um, I'm going to go to 1 Samuel. Uh, let's start from verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1. 1 Samuel. 18 verse 1. This was after uh, David came to the rescue of the Israelites to kill Goliath. And from that moment onward, Saul decided to keep him. Who doesn't like uh, a champion? Amen. So in 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 1, and it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him. From the beginning, love must be the foundation. If it is not there, everything else will not work. Right from the beginning, the Bible recalls that Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Hallelujah. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. And what was that covenant? To be friends. Because he loved him. Let me read that from Message Version. I believe I have the message translation of these um, 
I love some of the way the message translation puts that. Uh, if we have message translation, can we put it up? Um, do we have message translation for that scripture? Okay. Um, Jonathan, out of his deep love, that's the word I was looking for. Out of his, see, everything else that Jonathan was going to do moving forward in this friendship is coming out of what? It got to be established from the beginning. Everything else is coming out of the deep love. Made a covenant with him. What did he do next? He formalized it. I love the way he uses this phrase. He formalized the friendship. With a solemn gift. I wonder if anyone is crucifying Bible for bad grammar. With a solemn gift. I think that should be, you know, singular, but it's using plural, which is fine. Amen? His own royal robe. Equality. Friends must be equal. Because Jonathan was a, 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 a prince, a king's son. And he is now going to make friendship with a shepherd boy. He knew that there's going to be some, you know, inferiority complex, so to say. Because David, you know, I don't know, seems to have some openings to the future. Looking at Jesus, we often see some similarities in David's life when we compare David's life with Jesus' life. So, our story. Jonathan gave the royal robe as a sign of saying, you and I, we are equal. I know I'm a prince, you are a shepherd boy, but from now on, word, this robe of mine symbolizes the fact that we are equal. We are friends. We are equal. Amen? See how those, you know, and weapons, armor, sword, bow, and bed. Friends protect one another. He is literally putting his life on the line. When you drew your sword and give it to your friend, when you give your armor to your friend, literally it means you are putting your life on the line for your friend. That's what Jonathan did. Why? All of this was coming out of the deep love. Amen? We're trying to look at these examples because it is going to be critical. So we see what he did. And they became friends from that time onward. And when there were challenges, let's turn to chapter 19. Chapter 19. You know, everything was good and rosy moving forward. David was brought into the palace, you know, wearing the prince's robe. You know, dining at the, you know, at the king's table, you know, from that time onward. And the friendship was so sweet until the popularity of David began to intimidate Jonathan's father, King Saul. When the women of the, of, of, of the village began to sing, 
you know, about how David has killed 10,000 and Saul killed 1,000. That kind of robbed Saul in a very wrong way. Why? Because Saul did not recognize Jesus' love or God's love. He became jealous and he wanted to kill David. Thank God for friendship. Imagine if Jonathan and David were not friends. Chapter 19 will tell you the benefit of friendship. You see, we lose a lot when we fail to follow Jesus' principle. Thank goodness that David was a friend with Jonathan. Chapter 19, verse 1. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan saw son delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in the secret place, and heed thyself. And he went ahead and pleaded, and pleaded with his father, you know, saying how, how David has been a good boy, how David has done all beautiful things. And, David, and, and the father said, okay, fine. We no longer kill him. Bring him back to the palace. But the point here is, that would have been the end of David's ministry. That would have terminated David's ministry. Remember the Bible said David served his generation. He wouldn't have been able to accomplish that. If not for friendship. If not for friendship, there will be no way David could accomplish what God has called him to do. He served his generation according to the will of God because there were destiny helpers like Jonathan. You see, if we understand what God is saying, what Jesus is trying to paint to us about friendship, you will not have rest if you don't have friends. You will take friendship very seriously. You will begin to cultivate, actively cultivate, to nurture your friendship according to the pattern of Jesus. Because there may be a day when David will want to kill you. There may be a David at your job who wants to cut your career short. Only Jonathan can speak to Saul that he will listen. Otherwise, the head of David will be on the platter. Only your Jonathan will be able to speak on your behalf. It doesn't matter your degree. It doesn't matter your performance. When Saul is angry at you and wants to cut you short, only Jonathan, a friend, can speak on your behalf. You cannot joke with friendship. You cannot treat friendship with levity. You cannot treat friendship as just any other relationship. It is the pattern that Jesus has established as the best. When Jesus says something is best, nothing else comes close. He said it is the best way to love. Amen? Amen? I think you get the joke. 
I'm going to move on because of time. And let's look back to Jesus. We see the exact same pattern, you know, in Jesus' life and his friendships. Um, look at the apostles whom Jesus calls, you know, my friends. As we all know, the apostles, if you look at their biography, most of them are illiterate. They were not, you know, high-class people. Um, we have Matthew, who is, uh, you know, working in government. Okay? A task collector. Everybody hates task collector. Okay? But not Jesus. He is not too dirty to be Jesus' friend. Fishermen. Not only are these fishermen... You even like to make friends with good fishermen. At least you can get some fish to eat. But not some jackass. Pardon that word, but it's good to use some of those. Failed fishermen. Fishermen that won't catch fish. They toy all night. No fish. Jesus will not mind being a friend to failed businessmen. Failed fishermen. Because he can make them fishers of men. They may not be able to catch fish, but these ones, I can use them to catch men. You see, in your selective proposal, on the way you select your friendship, you are looking at God's destiny in people's life. Not where they are today. So Jesus was open to select, you know, just anybody. Just anybody to be his friend. And you see the reason why. As I move to the challenges of friendship. The challenges. You know the challenges? You know what the challenges are? Somebody now may be listening to this message and say, but how, how do I find good friends? How do I find good friends? And even if I found one, how do I keep them? How do I keep that to you know, continue to be gone? That's a challenge. But going back to Jesus, Jesus wasn't looking for good friends. He made himself one. As opposed to looking for good friends, he decided to make himself the good friend he was looking for. And the challenge to you today, you are not looking for good friends. You are looking to make you the good friend others will look for. The reason there is scarcity of good friends is because you are not one. That's the reason there is scarcity of good friends. So Jesus, recognizing that, said, you know what? I'm going to model the good friend that I'm looking for. He became that good friend. And if we will change our thinking today, 
as opposed to looking for a good friend and saying, you know what? I want to be the good friend that everyone is looking for. Because there is scarcity of good friends. Amen? How do you keep one when you've found one? Jesus solved that problem too. Because he was the good friend, you can't lose yourself. You can't lose yourself. I am the good friend. I can't lose myself. There's no way I have to worry about keeping the good friend. Why? Because I am the good friend. I sought after God to make me the good friend, so I cannot be the one losing. No, you, I cannot lose the good friend because I am the good friend. So the two challenges that I have seen, if you Google about friendship, it's going to say, you know, hard friends or good friends are hard to come by. Yes, because you are not one. Yep. That's why they're hard to come by. So what the Holy Spirit is saying to us is to look at Jesus and see what he did. He was not looking for Peter to be a good friend. He knew Peter was going to deny him. He was not looking for Nathaniel to be a good friend. He knew Nathaniel would be right. He was not looking for Judas to be a good friend. He was not looking for... He decided to be the good friend. And our world has never remained the same because of that. If you take the same approach and you choose to be the good friend in your family, in your household, you're not looking for everyone to... No, you just want to be the good friend. Your household will not remain the same. If you choose to be the good friend at your school, in your class as a student, guess what? Your class will not remain the same. Because the world never remained the same because of one good friend named Jesus. And that should be your challenge. Stop looking for good friends. Be one. And begin to diminish the scarcity. Be one. That's what God is calling the church to. In most places, at least where I've worked, the consensus is Christians are not friendly. That has been the consensus. You only want to be friends with maybe, you know, Christians. People that look like you. They have the same career. They have the same degree. They have the same, speak the same language. Okay, have the same color. No, not Jesus. Look at the profile of, the, of, of his friends. You would not see that. So be one. And then the scarcity will start diminishing. Amen. If you say there are no friends in work fund, why don't you be one? Why don't you be the good friend? As you decide to be the good friend in work fund, guess what happens? Scarcity will diminish. The scarcity will start diminishing. Because of the multiplier effect of friendship. When I am a good friend and I meet a bad friend, Guess what? That good in me will rub on that bad friend. And the scarcity will diminish. It is just 
the spiritual law. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm trying to round up quickly. I see have a lot, but I'm going to just leave all of those. I think we get the message. So the question is not, how do I find good friend? It's how do I be one? How do I be one? Amen? The benefit of being a friend like Jesus. Uh, I don't have time for this. I'm just going to um, mention a few and I will let us go because we want to actually practice what we preach. The benefits of being a friend like Jesus. And I don't think there's any other way to look at it um, then let's look at, I don't know if I have um, Ecclesiastes uh, 4. I know it's a popular, very popular scripture. Um, let's look at that. Ecclesiastes 4, uh, 8 to 12. I read that also, I think, in message version. There is one alone, and there is not a second. Yea, he had neither child nor brother. Yet is there no end of all his labor. So being alone doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither said he, for whom do I labor and bereaved my soul of good? This is also vanity. Yea, it is a sore travail. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he had fallen, or when he falleth. For he had not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a three-foot cord is now quickly broken. Amen. Someone said, well, who needs friends? What do I need friends for? Because being alone does not guarantee happiness, does not guarantee fulfillment, and all the benefits that comes, all the benefits that come with being a friend like Jesus, you will not have. And those benefits I will mention quickly. Amen. The benefits of being a friend like Jesus. One, let's look at the life of the apostles. Let's look at just the life of the apostle, and let's, let's see the change, the, the transformation that happened. In the life of the apostles. Um, let's look at just Peter, for example. Like I mentioned earlier on. Peter was a failed businessman. Was a fisherman that would not catch fish. Could not catch fish. Amen? Because of his friendship with Jesus, see what happened to his life. Not only you know, did he become one of the best fishermen that will have so much fish the net will be breaking. But he turned out or turns out to be a fisher of men. Bringing not only fish for food, but food for the soul. He's bringing souls of men to the kingdom of God just because of the friendship that Jesus had with him. Because many of us will have denied or, or rejected Peter for denying us at the very best time we needed help. But not Jesus. If you want to be a friend like Jesus, one of the benefits is you will produce men like Peter. 
You produce men like Peter. You produce men like Andrew. Andrew. It was because of the friendship of Jesus with Andrew. Look at, look at Andrew. Look at, look at that picture. Andrew was the one that brought Peter to Jesus. Was the one that introduced Peter, at least according to the scripture. And Peter became the pillar. You never saw for once Andrew getting jealous over that. Imagine someone you introduce to a job. Introduce your friend to a job. And now the position that could be rightly yours was given to him or her. What will you do? What will happen to that friendship? Andrew brought Peter. Peter became the pillar among the apostles. But Andrew was still doing what he enjoys doing. Bringing and introducing people to Jesus. It was because of the way Jesus presented himself. It was the, it was the, it was the friendship of Jesus that rubs on Andrew that produced this kind of man. Do you want to talk about John? John the Great? The son of thunder? The friendship of Jesus rubs on John to the point that even at the last time when Jesus died and was buried, this is a very highly competitive guy that will not let anyone win but him. He and Peter ran to go to the tomb. The Bible says he outran Peter getting to the tomb. But he humbled himself, he would not go into the tomb. He allowed Peter to go in first, giving victory baton to a friend. The benefit of being a friend like Jesus, even though he was rich. He made himself poor that I may be rich. Is that the kind of friend you want to be or not? The benefit of being a friend like Jesus is enormous. Peter, a timid person, very timid, became a rock. Yes. The first 5,000 after Pentecost was won to the kingdom of God. Because of the friendship of Jesus with Peter. Being a friend like Jesus, Jesus designed it in such a way that through your friendship, he can change lives. He can make failed business or businesses prosper. So that he can make people that are timid become bold and manifest and fulfill their destiny. People that are so, so, you know, competitive. Your friendship with them can give Jesus an opportunity to model their life. So much that they will become the apostle that Jesus loves. You see, when we begin to see the friendship that Jesus introduced to us, it was with eternal purpose. It was the best Opportunity for Jesus to reach lives. It was the best thing that Jesus wanted to use 
to touch life, to change life, to model life. But hitherto, the church has denied Jesus of the reward and the benefit of friendship because we have not been good friends. We don't make friends, and the ones we make, we toss them around at every provocation. We don't value them the way Jesus valued them. Jesus said, they are my best gift for you. Your friend, Jesus is saying, they are the best gift for you to practice God's love, to demonstrate the love of Jesus. Now, what you want to do is to begin to think about this, and as you begin to look at your friendship and your life, what do you want to do? Do you see benefits that is eroding away every day? Benefits that is eluding the kingdom of God every day just because you've not been such a good friend. You've not been a friend like Jesus. And my desire and my prayer today is that you will take this message and you will think about it and you begin to ask your question, what exactly will I lose if I am a friend like Jesus? What will I lose? According to the scripture, Jesus lost nothing. When he was giving account of all his ministry, he said to God, he said, all that you have given me, all the friends you have given me, I have kept them. I have protected them. I have loved them. I have given them everything you have given me. Say, except the son of perdition. He lost nothing. You cannot be a friend like Jesus and lose anything. You cannot lose. Heaven has confirmed that. I don't need to prove that to you. If you are a friend like Jesus, you stand to benefit eternal rewards here on earth and in the world to come. Shall we rise? I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God. Will you want to be the good friend that the world is looking for? Will you want to be that good friend that your household is looking for? Will you want to be the good friend that your class as a student is looking for? Will you want to be the good friend that work friend is looking for? Do you want to stop discussing? Do you desire that all these benefits that comes with being a friend like Jesus is something I want to begin to live my life and begin to live the enterprise of my life, seeking after every day of my life. Now, I'm going to actively take this as a challenge to God and say, Lord, I want to be a friend like you. And I want the benefit that comes out of being a friend like you to begin to manifest, beginning from my household, where I work, the church where I fellowship. And every man and every woman that I see, that I meet with, that you give me the opportunity to meet with, I see them as the best gift from you where I can demonstrate the true love that you came to show the world. Will you bow your head and talk to God?